You're listening to This Naked Mind with Annie Grace. Hi, this is Annie Grace and welcome to This Naked Mind podcast. And I'm here with Alicia. Welcome. How are you? Hi, I'm great. I'm happy to be here. Thanks. Oh, thanks so much for coming on. So why don't you sort of take us back to the beginning in your relationship with alcohol? Where did it all start for you? I guess I started drinking when I was uh, a teenager, probably about 15. Uh, technically, it was probably in my home life earlier than that. I grew up in sort of a traditional Catholic home, and we had big Sunday dinners every week. And I remember probably being, I don't know, pre-adolescent when I would get poured a glass of wine at the dinner table as sort of being a part of a part of family dinner, but also with this message of like teaching me how to drink responsibly. So I've been thinking about that a lot this week as I've prepared to, to meet with you. And I hadn't really thought about that before, but there always was this kind of message that alcohol was just an expected part of life. And you, you just had to learn how to, how to manage it and how to have that in your, in your life is in a healthy way. But I don't remember really getting excited about alcohol until I was about 15, I guess, started drinking with friends and everybody else seemed to kind of keep a certain pace, but I, I really went all in and I had a really scary night when I was 15 that year I was in ninth grade and I had gone from drinking like wine coolers and, and, you know, other sort of softer alcohols to a hard alcohol for the first time. And I overdid it. And I ended up in the hospital at the end of the night with alcohol poisoning and hypothermia. And it was, it was a really scary night for my friends and for my family. And that's the first time I really overdid it. And I didn't drink for a while after that, that kind of scared me. And of course my friends were watching out for me pretty carefully, but I, I suppose I started, I started again when I was, you know, a young adult and still didn't drink frequently, but when I would drink, I would always over drink. I've, I, I had children very young. I had my son when I was 19, first year of university and I quit school. Even then it was, it wasn't really present in my life until, uh, after I had him and my parents would babysit. I ended up having him by myself. My parents would babysit and I would want to go out. And I had friends who would take me out. And there was kind of this idea that this was the way to really like loosen up and unwind and relax and whatever. And so I guess I started drinking a lot more then. Always, again, always overdoing it and, and not quite figuring out how to not do that. But we were young and nobody really seemed to care. And then after my second child was born six years later, I was married at this point and, you know, we were just kind of in the grind and I was drinking probably most evenings, which to me was completely normal. It's the way that alcohol was used in my home growing up. It was sort of a way to come home from a stressful day and relax and wind down. Um, but that was, that was kind of escalating over the years. And it really wasn't until... I'd say I was facing the end of that marriage that I recognized I was, I was drinking to kind of cope um, that it wasn't just to be social and it wasn't just to celebrate, but that it was a habit. And at that point I had sort of 
done like a, a sober January or whatever, one of those 30 day challenges and um, recognized that it was something that was harder to do than I expected it to be. So I guess that's when I started consciously kind of recognizing that, that alcohol had a, a bit of a hold, but again, it was everybody we, we were with our social circle. Uh, it was just so ingrained in life that I never questioned the, the possibility of ever having it not be there. But after my uh, separation was probably when, when things started getting rocky, my kids weren't with me all the time. They were going back and forth. Um, I was going through a lot of other personal changes and I started drinking when the kids weren't with me and my drinking was just off, off the rails. And I went from wine to hard alcohol. I was drinking gin all the time and my mental health was suffering. I wasn't eating. I'm sure that was also compounded with going through a divorce and all these other hard things that were happening, but I got really sick and I kind of scared myself again with how, how much I was drinking and what that was sort of leading to. And I was way more in tune with what was the, the, the part that alcohol was playing and all of that. And I took a step away for a little bit again. Then I, I ended up in a new relationship and that was really when I saw that my drinking patterns were not everybody's drinking patterns. We sort of had, you know, a lot of fun in those first few months of a new relationship. And then it was, it was brought up and I had to kind of, you know, acknowledge my use of alcohol and, and I, I knew I had to kind of make some changes at that point. Amazing. And so what happened then? So I guess the backstory to that is after I after I left my marriage, I, uh, sorry, it's the first time I've talked about this. After I left my marriage, I uh, did a lot of personal work and recognized that I probably was a better fit in a same-sex relationship. And through that, I had a, a lot of friend support, but I had also ended up in first same-sex relationship way too soon after the end of a long marriage. And that, uh, obviously didn't last very long, but it really kind of cracked me wide open and that vulnerability, it, it was just something so new for me that I, I, I really didn't know how to manage the pain of all of that. Plus I hadn't even begun processing the end of my marriage and how my children were handling it. And it, the, the split wasn't handled well. So it was, it was a really scary time for me. So I recognized that alcohol was being used in a way that was medicinal and it, it just got completely out of control. So I had sort of tried to taper back at that point but then I met this new person, my current relationship, and she was the one who really kind of turned it around for me. At the time, I had a business that I was running. It wasn't doing well. I wasn't doing well. I hadn't had a break um, to really land again after all of this change. And I wanted the business to work really badly. It was, I have, my whole heart was in it. I loved it so much but it just wasn't sustainable. And so at that time in our first year of our relationship, there was a lot of 
a lot of financial stress and a lot of you know business management stuff. And so I was always anxious and always stressed. And I woke up one morning immediately anxious. And and Jenny, my partner, sat down with me and she'd listened and she said, you know, I know that this is really hard, but do you think that it's feeling harder because we've just had drank for the last three nights? And I this was the first time I wasn't defensive about it. And I just kind of like sat there and I, I thought about it and I, I let her talk and she said, you know, I know that you've talked about your alcohol use in the past and that maybe you had, you know, been drinking because you weren't very happy or because, you know, you weren't really facing things. And she said, I just can't help but wonder when I see you open a bottle of wine on a Tuesday night, if maybe that's because you're not happy with us. And that broke my heart because I had done all of this work and I had, you know, made all of these really necessary changes in my life. I work in, um, in, uh, holistic health, all of my, um, interests and values are aligned with health and well-being. And this thing, it just became very evident that everything in my life is now okay, yet this is still happening. So, you know, there's no, no more excuse and no more kind of hiding from it. And so that's when things really began to change for me. That was in, um, that was in 2018 and I didn't change things immediately. I definitely became more aware of my drinking and more aware that, that I wasn't in control of it and that it was very habitual, but uh, that's when I started kind of looking for support. And, and that was really surprising that once I was ready to kind of look, cause I had, you know, toyed around with, like I said, the, the 30 day things and the, you know, the, the, whatever kind of trend of, of detoxing or abstinence was for at the time, but this time I was more serious. And I found that there was really nothing that spoke to me that I really had an idea of what alcoholism was or what an alcoholic looked like. And none of that really fit for me at all. Coincidentally around that time, I, my old business was a yoga studio, had this really beautiful small space. And we also hosted some community events there. And one of the groups that used to come in and use the space on Friday nights was this recovery group that hosted um, some sort of, it was a mindfulness-based recovery program. And it was for people, it was for queer people mostly who didn't really align with the AA model or, or, um, you know, any of the traditional, um, models of recovery. So they would meet at my studio on Fridays and they would come in and I was so curious and I would see all these people who were not what the image that I had of an addict or of somebody who had a substance use problem in my head. And, I just realized that I didn't have really any kind of representation to look to. Same with my my sexuality. I had never had positive, healthy representation in my life or in the media or, you know, it's, it's, it wasn't like it is now um, when I was growing up. So it, it's, you have this very narrow framework in your mind. And so when you realize that something is not okay, it's, there's, there are no tools to do anything about it. So I started seeing these people coming into these meetings. I went to one when I was still drinking and participated and 
just thought it was beautiful and lovely. And I, I really aligned with the approach. So I was, I was kind of watching these people and I was reading things and I was, you know, using Instagram and I, I still wasn't really seeing my root. Um, all of my friends drank the same way I did, or, you know, somewhat my mom, I'm not a child. And so my mom drank frequently and it just was a part of everything. So that by the end of that year, Jen and I were driving home and we were listening to the local radio call-in show about New Year's resolutions. And they were talking specifically about alcohol. And someone called in and he just seemed so relatable. He said that he, you know, was a professional in his 30s and he was pretty active and had a great social group and all these things that, that I felt I had in common with him. And he just said the alcohol was the one thing that was in his life that didn't seem to fit. And that he had found this book, this, this naked mind and the alcohol experiment. And he said, I read it. And he said, honestly, he said, I don't see myself ever drinking again. And to me, that was like, there's no way, like how, how can you possibly, what, what was said that could <laughs> possibly made you come to that decision? And he was so convicted in it too. Right. So by that time we had gotten home and I stayed in the car in the driveway and listened to the rest of the, of the talk. And I wrote down what he, what he was saying. And I went and, and ordered the books on audible. And so cause sometimes Jen and I listened to the same book at the at the same time so we can talk about it and we both listened to it that was new year's and i i was just like this is it i i stopped drinking she stopped drinking not that she drank the way i did but we both kind of took a step back for the first three months of 2019 and we went on our first holiday without alcohol. We went to, we went hiking in Arizona and Utah and did some camping there. And it was incredible. And on the last night that we were there, we were at this really nice hotel and we ordered a bottle of wine with dinner. And, and then I wanted to order a bottle of wine for the room. Like I just couldn't, I, I couldn't ever stop. Right. We didn't, but by the time we got back, I was drinking again. And we, I kind of thought, you know, that was a good break. And it was a good, like, you know, reset. And I never went back to drinking the way that I used to, you know, like once you know, you know, kind of thing. And we drank that summer and I just, I just knew, I, I knew I couldn't do it anymore. I think I had also done some, you know, some damage to my, to my body and had a chance to resolve. And, uh, I, I just, it became very uncomfortable psychologically for me to continue drinking. So I think I read the book again. And then my birthday was in October. I was also turning 39, which was the, the age my father was when he was diagnosed with cancer and, and passed away. And I think that in combination really kind of hit me that there, there's gotta be more, there's more, there's more to life. And I can't, I just can't live like this anymore. And so I set the date for my birthday and uh, we were on this amazing hiking trip um, up in in the uh, Cape Breton in the highlands of our province. Really beautiful place we love to go. And we were on an overnight um, tenting trip and we hiked out on my birthday uh, in October. It was hailing. We had to like walk through rivers without our boots on and all this stuff. And we came out of that hike and I just felt 
like this huge sense of vitality. And then I thought, what am I going to drink at the hotel tonight? Like it's my last day of drinking kind of thing. Right. And I treated myself. I thought I treated myself to a bottle of whiskey for some reason. And we got back to the hotel after we had dinner and we were so exhausted that Jen fell asleep and I, I was left there watching TV with this bottle of whiskey. And I just thought, this is like, what am I doing? There, there, there was no, it wasn't celebratory. It wasn't a birthday thing. It wasn't connecting. It wasn't all of those reasons that I had, I had been drinking were gone. And it was so, it just was no fun. It was boring and it was gross. And I just, I was, I was done. And we stayed another day and then came home and weirdly enough, not weirdly enough, but I think this was the the final piece was when we came home, we'd had a friend staying with us and she had a friend over and we walked through the door and they handed me a beer and I opened it and I drank it. And I thought I was, it was so automatic and so patterned that even though I had done all of that work and I'd spent a year really reflecting on it and time away and was making it so purposeful that I it was still that programmed that I just didn't, I was, didn't know how to say no in that moment. And that was the last day that I drank October 7th, 2019. Yeah. It's been, uh, it's been big since then. How how cool that it was like almost an unexpected moment, just kind of like a, you know what I mean? Like a, oh, wait, there's, I don't know. I like, I appreciate that a lot. Just the, the nature of how it unfolded. Wow. So how has, um, how has your life changed? Well, it's, it's, it's changed in almost every way. It feels like something you said in, uh, I can't remember which book, if it was this naked mind or the alcohol experiment. Um, it hit me really hard. It was said like, at one point you didn't drink at one point you didn't drink and you had fun and you enjoyed life and you connected, you had relationships. You know, I, I guess I started drinking so young that I felt like I had really stunted myself from that point on. So there was this, what really pushed me and motivated me to kind of get through the discomfort of those, that first little bit of not drinking was really asking like, you know, who is, who is she, who I really felt like I had self-abandoned, you know, um, my dad died when I was really young and we were living another side of the country. I had to move back. I'm an only child. My mom, you know, really like had to, had to rally to get us home and to get on with her life. And it was very tense in my home. And, and I really, I, I became really insular. And so that those are early, really early patterns to have to kind of go back to you. And I was able to recognize, I journaled a ton after I quit drinking and was really able to recognize, you know, why, why I was drinking in the first place, why my brain got so much pleasure out of it and why it reprieve from the, the tension and the anxiety and the you know, the I had been in and why it acted as a catalyst to sort of bring me a synthetic version of those things that I was craving and needing, which really was connection, acceptance, belonging, you know, all those things. So since leaving that, it almost felt like leaving an 
abusive relationship. Like it, it really alcohol, when you drink for as long as I did, and I think a lot of people would agree that it becomes a, a relationship. It's part of, it's part of celebrating. It's part of stress relieving. It's, it's just there through so many Im- important points in your, in your life that it's hard to tease apart the, the context of what, of why you're drinking and then the, the alcohol use itself. So um, my first year was a lot of that. It was a lot of self-reflection and, and kind of trying to find that person who is okay without alcohol and understanding how to be in the world um, and how to feel connected and feel good and, and have my relationships and feel stable without needing that. So, you know, a large part of my first year was really uncomfortable in that way. And so I think that there's like, there's a self-growth component that it frees you up for because you can finally have a full thought without, you know, I was drinking every, every night to some degree. So you can't have experiences and allow them to fully process and become integrated with you. If you're constantly stunting everything and cutting everything off by checking out with alcohol, right? So you know, lots of personal growth stuff, but then this big, like return to self, like who, who am I before all of this? So that led me to go back to school. You know, I had this, I just had this big surge of uh, motivation to now do something. Cause I had all this new energy freed up, you know, I was sleeping properly and, and my, my brain was becoming clear and uh, my anxiety was, was lessening. I had closed my business, which was something that I had uh, a decision I had come to while we were on that sober trip in Arizona. So I had the, a new capacity and I just got this big, this big push of, if not now, when kind of energy, right? Uh, so I had left university back when I was about 20 years old. I never completed. I still ended up with a wonderful career, but this is something that I, I had really wanted to do, something that felt unfinished and something that would advance and enhance my current career. So I'm back in school, finishing a, a degree in psychology with a minor in neuroscience. So uh, I've had the opportunity to write several papers on the the neurobiology of alcohol, all the the social components um, and psychological components that kind of can attach to that. I've become very aware of the prevalence of alcohol use in the queer community, especially. Um, there's a disproportionate amount of LGBTQ people who who use substances, you know, I'm sure as, as a, a soothing method for minority stress and um, everything else that sort of is part and parcel with with living in in that community. So my relationships have all gotten better. my my ability to be with my children has improved. My mom watched this happen and bought your book and a few months later quit drinking. And, you know, I, I don't want to talk about my mom too much because she's not here, but my dad died in 1983 and she's been drinking functionally like I was every day since he died. So that's been a massive opening for our relationship 
And it's been something that uh, she never thought that she would do. And now she can't, she just wishes she had done it sooner. So it's, it's really translated to every aspect of my, my life. Wow. That's just amazing. How incredible. Yeah. And how cool that you're, you know, going to, I don't know. I'm, I'm very excited. I actually had a, this funny tangent, but in about 2015, 2016, I was like, I want to go back and get my PhD or I want to go back and study, you know, social, like the intersection between like sociology and neuroscience. I was very interested in how our cultures shape our brains, right? Like, I'm like, oh, so interesting. And I had found a program and I also wanted one more baby. And so my husband was like, you can do one or the other, <laughs> cannot do both. I was like, okay. <laughs> and I chose the baby. She's now six, but, um, I always am like, oh, it's so cool. So going back to school, it's just awesome. So congratulations. Yeah. I had, I don't know if you're familiar with Gabor Mate's work. Um, so he's uh pretty famous these days, but he's a Canadian physician who's done a, a lot of work on addiction and um trauma and the way that that these things uh speak to our immune system specifically and create chronic illness. His his book was on my read list for years. And for whatever reason, I never picked it up until I quit drinking, probably because I could get through books a lot easier too, because I wasn't just like, you know, drinking myself to sleep every night, but that book landed at the right time too. He's done massive, just invaluable work for uh, the addictions community and the trauma community. And that, that was, that was a major inspiration to go, to go back to school so that's sort of the realm that I'm, I'm in now I'm working full-time at school part-time and just getting through it. Mm, beautiful. Yeah. His work is absolutely incredible. It's just amazing. Mm. This is also great. Well, thank you so much for, for sharing all this and uh, yeah, really, really amazing to hear uh, your journey and your story. So let me ask you sort of the question I end these with, which is if you were going to go back in time and tell Alicia who felt stuck and, and was, you know, sort of trying to figure things out in all areas of her life about how it's turned out for you, what would you say? I'd say this is not you. You you drinking is not you. It's keeping you from, from that person and that life. And that it's a process and to trust the process and that there, there are many ways up the mountain. You know, there isn't just one way. There isn't just one type of drinker. There isn't just one type of person. And that if it's uncomfortable for you, then, then that's all you need to know to make a change and that there, the resources are there, but mainly this isn't you. It, it wasn't me. And I just, sometimes I get really, really sad for the years that it was masking who I am and keeping me from myself and keeping that person from the other people in my life. I love that. It's beautiful. Yeah. Just like a calling home of, yeah. And permission. So it's just great. I love that so much. Uh, so thank you so much for coming on, Alicia. I really, I really appreciate it. And it's just, thank been you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you're ready to see how This Naked Mind can help you on your personal health and wellness journey and want to learn more, go to thisnakedmindpodcast.com to learn what your next best step is. Again, that's thisnakedmindpodcast.com. 
We have all of our free resources, programs, social links, and more available for you there. Plus, if you have your own naked life story to share, you can submit it there as well. Until next week, stay curious.